0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. I've had it on my heart for quite a while now that we're going to go ahead and kind of start our marriage and family weekend now. Tonight. We actually, I'd had this on my heart months ago that the Wednesday before Blaine and Laurie are here and the Wednesday before the Royal Call Banquet, we need to go ahead and turn that Wednesday night service into some marriage and family talk. You say, well, Pastor, I'm single. That's all right. You're a part of this family right here. You're part of somebody's family somewhere. Um, I don't think you just came from outer space, did you? So, but you, you, you don't have to be married, you don't have to have kids to get something out of a marriage and family weekend. I'm telling you, it's... it's now, actually, Blaine and Lori, they're, they're teaching us something that totally applies to everybody. What was the name of the thing that he told us to put on that flyer? Something about the something pursuit of happiness? Yeah, I forget the the one word he used there, but so he's going to talk about how to live a happy life no matter what's going on around you, tapping into the real joy that only the Lord can give. Um, but he's got so many testimonies. Just listening to his testimonies just make you go, "Wow, this guy's been around. He's got something to say." And Lori too. But if you would please tonight, turn to First Corinthians seven. And I want to share just a couple words with you. Then Carl and I are going to sit down here and we're going to give you a, an opportunity if you want to ask a couple questions. If not, we've got some questions already on a piece of paper concerning marriage, family, raising kids, uh, even our single life that led up to being married. And how, how, I mean, we, this woman right here was not an accident in my life. Um, I, I started seeking the Lord with all my heart. I wanted Jesus and His things more than anything. I wasn't even looking to be married and the greatest woman in the world for me came my way. If I hadn't been in church, I hadn't been serving the Lord, I would have missed her. And it's that the Scriptures fulfilled. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And that doesn't mean Carla a thing. It just means that she's a wonderful part of my life. You know, you can use that word generically. Wonderful part of my life. And I hope she feels the same way. I mean, she goes to church and she sees me. I see her. Six months later, we're married. And so there's even things about the single life that a lot of times us married people can help singles with because a lot of single people are looking for a godly, wonderful spouse. And so they can check all those things off their checklist. Remember, if you make a checklist for your spouse, make sure you... uh, line up with that checklist too. right? (laughs) Let me just say this. Marriage is not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And that will attract the right person. So, Anyway, I want to show you something today that I think is the number one problem in marriages. And if people get a handle on this, they can have a heaven-on-earth marriage for the rest of their life. 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. And I want you to... Paul, this whole chapter, he's talking about marriage. He's talking about... Marriage relations, he's talking about marriage and divorce, he's talking about all kinds of things here. And I want to go to one verse, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. Are you there, church? Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screen. If you marry, you have not sinned, because he was talking about under the present distress back in those days, you might want to wait on marriage because. There's a lot of persecution going on right now to the church. A lot of crazy things happening. But he said, now listen, if you marry, you have not sinned. In other words, you did a good thing. He had to balance out some things he just said because people he thought would probably take it too far. If you marry, you've not sinned. If a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, if you do get married, you're going to have trouble in this certain area. And if you get this certain area under control, you're going to have an awesome marriage. Where's the trouble in marriages, guys? Where where do you, those of you that are married, where where is the area that probably brings the most trouble? Somebody did something stupid and fleshly and caused a problem in the marriage, right? Um, Somebody you know, wanted their way so bad that, boom, the bomb went off. What's all? That's called flesh. That's called yielding to fleshly, unregenerated desires, causing problems in the marriage. Sometimes people say, well, the devil's attacking our marriage. Are you sure it's not just you not controlling your flesh? Because there is what's called the works of the flesh. It has nothing to do with the devil. And, get, and getting out of a marriage and getting into another one isn't going to work if it was a flesh problem. Might not have been a spouse problem. Might have been a flesh problem. And here's the interesting thing about it. If you've got a flesh problem and you get out of one marriage and into another one, newsflash, your flesh goes with you. Yeah. <laughs> that unrenewed, unregenerate, immature part of your life goes with you. Can we broaden this just a little bit? Leaving a church is not the answer for a lot of people's problems. Because those problems, a lot of time, were within themselves. And they thought a change of scenery would fix everything, but they found out, you know what? Same thing's happening over here. We've talked with people over the years that have gone from church to church to church to church and they even said, there's no church in this city that's good enough for me. Well, may, 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 maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's something in the person that needs change. I mean, if it's a pattern for 20 times, I've gone to 20 churches and not one of them is right. They're all messed up. Mm. Maybe there's a mess up in another area. Maybe it's called flesh. Maybe it's called something in you, you know, insubordination, selfishness, uh, you know, immaturity. (laughs) I'll be careful. But I want you to notice the phrase trouble in the flesh. Would you say that with me? Trouble in the flesh. So what if you get a, what if the husband and the wife get control of their fleshly, selfish, immature part of their life? No trouble. (laughs) Right? What if you do, what if you do have trouble? Somebody's probably getting a little fleshy. And when I say fleshy, I'm talking about unregenerate, unrenewed parts of your life that aren't 100% saved yet. You know, your spirit's saved. You're going to heaven when you die. But there's other parts of our life that need developed and saved. Paul said, I die daily to certain desires and pleasures. And Did you know, anybody ever hear the word sanctification? Does anybody know what it means? The Bible talks about sanctification. Anybody know what sanctification means? How many of you are sanctified? Do we have any sanctified here tonight? Are you a sanctified woman?
1: <laughs>
0: it means separated and set apart from the world and its direction. Not the people. We've got to get the people saved. But the system? We're in a whole different system. Did you know sanctification is an ongoing process? It's not a one-time event. Being born again is a one-time event. But living a separated life? That's a lifelong process. It's a daily thing. You're constantly saying, you know what? I need to stay clear from that. I can't get too close to this. Hmm? I need to stay set apart from that. I don't want to be watching that. I'm not going to be listening to this. And sometimes in this flesh area, there's habits involved. And marriages, uh, husbands and wives, they have certain habits in their life. And and, and a lot of times, habits have been developed over years and decades. And to stop a bad habit that's been ingrained in somebody, Jesus said it's not going to be pleasant to get rid of that thing. And he ain't going to get rid of it for us. Mm -hmm. Jesus said what? He said, if your hand offends you, do what? He said, cut it off. How many know that doesn't sound real pleasant? He's not saying go get a knife and cut your hand off. He's saying it's going to hurt just as much, though. Maybe even more because you're dealing with inside soul stuff, thoughts and passions and desires. It's not going to be pleasant. And it hurts. And, And the only thing I can tell that would help you to get to the place where you're willing to hurt more so that you can stop some of these things that's causing problems in the marriage, is you're going to have to grow in love, and you're going to have to grow in faith. Because it's going to hurt. I mean, Peter talks about suffering in the flesh and ceasing from sin. Jesus talked about cutting things off. Philippians says, Mortify, therefore, the deeds of the body. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all this stuff. Concupiscence, you know, passion for forbidden things. He said, he said, mortify these things. Look what he didn't say. Pray that God would take them away. I'm going to know, you're going to have to take the mallet. Uh-huh. And you're going to have to take the spike. And crucify the flesh. King! With the affections and lust there. And, and the more we grow in love, the more we're willing to bear pain in these areas. That's why we did a whole teaching and a whole book and a whole series and a whole event on I love God more. The more we grow in our love for God, the less problems we're gonna have in this flesh area because we're gonna be more willing to bear the pain that it takes to stay out of these areas. Would you say that again with me? Trouble in the flesh. See this will help you to pinpoint problems in relationships and in the marriage because Paul said this is the area you're gonna have to watch out about. The flesh. I think just knowing that a lot of these problems are fleshly are going to cause us to want to get out of them because who wants to be called fleshly? <laughs> it's, kind of like, it's kind of like immaturity. A lot of problems are because of immaturity. And if people would realize that they're just immature is the reason this thing keeps happening, maybe they'd be more prone to grow up. Because who wants to be called a baby all their life? <laughs> right? Who wants to be a 50-year-old baby? So, somebody gets fleshy when a lot of these troubles start happening. So go to Galatians 5. Let me show you this here. And just remember that phrase, trouble in the flesh. If you're married and trouble starts to happen, just remember, m- 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 maybe somebody's getting fleshy here. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but what I'm talking about right now is, um, is emphasizing walking in love. And walking in love does wonders for your faith. A lot of people's faith isn't working. They have the faith, but it's not working properly because maybe they haven't been walking in love properly. And if you read your chapter yesterday, you know what I'm talking about. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. And so anytime we talk about putting the flesh under, controlling our desires, we're talking about walking in love. And this could be a reason a lot of people's faith has not been working right, is because... They're trying to operate in faith, but faith only works by love. A lot of times, the answer to prayer is grow in love a little bit more, be more forgiving, um, you know, apologize to somebody, or, or whatever you got to do, because people have faith to be healed and, and to overcome. But a lot of times, their faith's not working because they're not walking in love. Is this exciting to anybody? Because I um, <laughs> okay, look at Galatians five. And we read this yesterday, too, if you're reading your chapter, and I believe you are, with your church. In verse 17, Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you wished you would. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's looseness in thought and morals. Next verse. This is a... Interesting. Work of the flesh is idolatry. Interesting. Witchcraft? A work of the flesh? You'd think it would have said a work of the devil. said a work of the flesh. Hatred, variance, Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Keep going. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. That's crazy, ungodly partying. And such the like, in case he missed yours. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And now, you back up to the first part, you know, a lot of these have to do with lust. Just keep looking straight ahead and say, Amen, Pastor. Nobody knows you, okay? Amen, (laughs) Pastor. We've all dealt with this thing called lust. I know when I say the word lust, people immediately think of sexual sin. Lust goes into way many other areas than just that area. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, lusting out in some of these areas is not a spirit of lust. It's your flesh. No matter how much you bind the spirit of lust, if you don't get control of your flesh, you'll fall back into lust. Because lust, these things, the flesh lusteth. The fle- Everybody say, the flesh lusteth. Yeah. Flesh. Flesh. The flesh. This is not a spirit. Right. This is your unrenewed physical nature. Your unredeemed physical nature. You know what I mean? There's coming a day, all evil tendencies are going to be gone, and we're going to want to do the will of God with every fiber of our being. Ain't there yet. The flesh is still going to want to go one way, and your spirit's going to want to go another way. And the stronger wins. A lot of people aren't bad. as why they're stumbling into so many sins. It's just they're weak. Spiritually. So, everything that's wrong in life is not directly the work of an evil spirit. This lists a ton of things that have nothing to do with an evil spirit. And did you know you you, you can't cast you out of you? (laughs) And and you can't cast your flesh away? Now, if it was a demon, you can cast the demon away. Get out of here. But if it's the flesh, casting out a demon won't work. Or rebuking a demon, coming against you, won't work. If it's the flesh, there's only one way to overcome that. And that is put the flesh under, walk in the Spirit, walk in love. (laughs) Right? I know, it's, you know, it's, it's like really easy to say, oh, pastor, just just cast this thing out of me. It may not be that easy. That's see, that's easy to cast something out of you. That's that's easy. You know, I mean, that's easy. It's a little more difficult to deal with you. T- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, pastor, just just pray for me and, and, and set me free. Well, set you free from what? I can't set you free from your responsibility to do what God said to do with the flesh. Put it under. Crucify it. Mortify comes from the word mortician, which means kill it. Kill that desire. You know, the Bible talks about counting ourselves dead indeed unto sin. You're not dead yet, but you've got to count yourself dead to these things. Um, How many of you realize we're not going to solve all our problems by just trying to deal with the devil all the time? turn to um, one more scripture, and I'm going to ask Carla to come up, and we're going to spend a little time talking to you about some other things. I thought this was really important because um, actually, I think I got that done. So, Carla, why don't you come on up right now, too. This is so important, church, because we've, we've been talking to marriages for 33 years. We've, we've heard everything from A to Z, and maybe even beyond Z. <laughs> um, and most of everything, almost everything we've ever heard, could all be fixed by both people putting the flesh under and walking in love. And so we're going to just sit here. We've got a few questions on paper here. But I. And this is, this is a living room. You can be open and you can ask questions. So if a question comes up or has already come up about something I've already said, or if you have a question that sparked off of one of these other questions. Just jot it down and ask us before the time is up tonight and we'll try to answer it and do our best to answer it. So, um, let's just go right to the first question here. Now these questions have come from 33 years of helping marriages and doing our best to help couples get through even premarital counseling. Um, There's a lot we learned in that area too, but these are some of the things we've been asked at times and It may or may not apply to you, but if there's something else, you can ask it at the end. So um, let me just read this question and we'll let Carla answer it.
1: (laughs) I found out about this like five minutes before service, just so y'all
0: know. (laughs) She's a trooper. She's amazing. Proverbs 31, all the way, all the way. My husband and I both work, but he expects me to do all the housework when we're at home. Any advice?
1: Yes. Husbands, don't expect that. No, really, hey, when you're <laughs> both question. working, you've, if you've been coming to this church very long, you know exactly what I'm going to say. If both of you are working outside of the home, then you need a division of labor. It's not um, the woman does all the cooking and the cleaning and the taking care of the kids and the laundry and everything, and then the husband gets home from work, he kicks back you know, gets the remote control and and he relaxes. No, you both have to have division of labor. If you're both working full-time or even part-time, there has to be a division of labor. And one thing that I am so blessed by is I have a husband that realizes that if I'm working full-time, then we budget in somebody to clean our house. And at this time, we even have somebody, um, Nikki brings us food for um, two meals a week. And so you think, well, I can't afford for somebody to clean my house. I can't afford to pay somebody to cook my food. You better budget it in. If your wife is working outside of the home, you need to budget that in. You need to do whatever you need to do to budget that in. And so um, we've always had a division of labor. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to write out everything that needs done. Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it yearly, like a spring cleaning or whatever? And say, OK, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And, um, just
0: get it all divided out. Yep. Do you? Here, let's go a little, even a little farther. You ready? Even if something's on her list that I don't have to do, at times I do it anyway mm-hmm. because we should be trying to outdo each other in love. You know, we that should be the thing we're really trying to out. Um, if I know it's her job, but I also know that maybe she had an extra meeting that week or whatever. Guys, it's not unscriptural. It's not unmanly to do the dishes. (laughs) And laundry. And vacuum. Over the years, we've just kind of gotten into the groove because we we had this many, many years ago in our life. We realized that um, there needs to be a division of labor. There's some things that she's better at. There's some things I'm better at. Um, And sometimes you just have to write it out until it's a part of your life and just go back to it. And um, and the thing about hiring somebody, God will honor a couple that decides to hire somebody to help with housework. I have somebody mow our lawn. We've got somebody that mows our lawn. And the reason we did, we believed God that because of the reason we wanted those people doing those things, he was gonna help us because it was godly reasons. We wanted to not have to cut into our, Our personal time, our devotion time, our church time, and we realize that if we're doing this in the name of God and His work, He would bring in the finances that He has. And it's never been a struggle at all, ever in any of those areas. It's not wrong to hire somebody to do work for you. That's what they're gifted in. They need people to want them and to use their talents. It is totally a-okay. We're all servants to somebody. Right? And so it's totally okay to do that and I think if that's a problem, and I know it is in a lot of people's uh, marriages, they need to do a division of labor and at times go, out, go above and beyond the call of duty and just do your spouse's job too, some week, just because you love them so much. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to iron. I don't know how to fold coals. Not an excuse anymore with YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn anything on YouTube, right? Sure. <laughs> All right, number two. Any advice for a husband and wife who are in disagreement about the frequency of intimacy? (laughs) How quiet is not here? Any advice for a husband and wife who are in disagreement about the frequency of intimacy? Let's look at a scripture on that one, can we? Um sure is quiet in this church. I'll tell you, if you want to get it quiet in a church, start talking about sex in church. Can I ask you a question before we go any farther? Who created sex? Some people think, no, God didn't create sex. Who, who said, who, who said, I want you to have sex? God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Does anybody see sex in there? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord did. The world has perverted this. I mean, it's, it's so messed up out there in the world. I mean, sex is a wonderful gift of God. It just shows you the love of the Father for His children. I mean, it's wonderful. It's like, God, You're so amazing. You care about our spirits, our souls, and our bodies. And If the church doesn't talk about it, guess where your kids are going to learn about it from? Ungodly, heathen, who don't know what they're talking about, perversions of all kind. If we don't talk about it in church, they're still going to get it from somewhere. You know, parents, you need to talk to your little ones about it. Don't assume they're learning it in school. Oh my goodness. Don't assume they're watching some program on TV and they're going to tell them the really whole, the holy scoop of sex. (laughs) This is what it's supposed to be like. No. You sit down with your kids and you tell them what it's all about. But I'm embarrassed. You should have thought about that before you had kids. This is your responsibility. <laughs> to tell your kids. Right? And preferably before they look at you and go, Oh, I already know all that. And if they do, they probably got it from the wrong places. And they need to bring it back into biblical yep. bounds. Yep. So in 1 Corinthians 7, in verse 1. Paul said, now concerning the things where have you wrote unto me? He had questions about, the church at Corinth had questions about this and they asked Paul in a previous letter. Concerning the things you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Other translations talk about arousing a woman, touching in the wrong way or with the wrong motives. I mean, that's good advice today. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, any kind of sex. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Notice it didn't say, let every man have his own girlfriend. Oops. Oops. Hey, you know what? We live in a generation where there's, there's just some, there's a lack of information. There's a lack of biblical information and we don't condemn anybody no. who's messed up in any of these areas, who are in these areas, who stay in these areas after a meeting like this. We know this is a crazy fallen world. We're in the end times. Darkness is rampant. People have problems. And a lot of them don't even know it. Right. And so we don't condone, we don't condemn people that are living together that are not married. We don't condemn people that had abortions. We don't condone it but we don't condemn it either. Right. And you can be strong in both of those areas. So just because we don't condone something doesn't mean, doesn't mean we condemn it. Right. And but so, because a lot of people never even heard this. So he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So he's saying right here, anything that's done in the sex area beyond husband and wife is fornication. And it, the Bible says in another scripture, it says it's sinning against your own body mm-hmm. as well as some other things. Then it says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power over her own body but the husband. And likewise, the husband does not have power over his own body but the wife. Don't withhold relations from one another except it's with consent. Everybody say consent. Consent. That means you agree we're going to fast this intimacy for a while, and we're going to give ourselves to fasting and prayer. Everybody say consent. consent. That's very important. And then he says, you know, there's more. There's more that you can fast than food. Anything pleasurable. If we put that on hold for a while and pray in its stead, that's called biblical fasting. Putting something of the flesh under, even not bad things. This isn't bad. Just, but just putting something down, praying instead. A lot of times you get a lot of spiritual progress in times like that. And you grow spiritually. But then he says, but then after that time is over, come together again. Why? That Satan doesn't tempt you for your incontinency or other translations say for your want of self-control. The enemy attacks areas of our life that he knows we might be weak in self-control in. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, relationship area, in this intimacy area, you have to watch out about abstaining too long. Well, when you can hear the air conditioner hum, <laughs> we, we must be really talking about some good stuff. But, you know, tell Carlos, share some things that we've learned in our 33 years of helping others and even in our own life about this um, uh, what if you're in disagreement about the frequency of having intimacy in that area?
1: Years ago, many, many years ago, I was watching a Christian Broadcasting Network, Pat Robertson's uh, program. And there was a guy on there that was talking about this very subject. And um, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he's he's still on there. Scott, maybe? something. But yeah, I, Scott Ross? Yeah, Scott anyway. Ross and he was talking about this and he said something that at that time I had never heard of or thought of and it stuck with me and it stuck with us and I've repeated this many 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 times and that is he said this he said why do we schedule everything in our life but we don't schedule intimacy with each other Mm -hmm. he said get it on a schedule and it was like what and most people go what but I'm telling you if you have to, you schedule your time of intimacy. And if one of you says, well, I think we should go, you know, four or five times a week, and the other one says one, well, come to an agreement and say, okay, we're gonna do three, or whatever it is. And, um, just, and then if you have to, get it on a schedule, a day and a time, and make it work, make it work. There's no reason you can't just make it work. So That's good um, scheduling, that yeah. has helped. More people, there's probably some people in this room that I have told that to, that has later come back and said, Alright, it worked! So, there you go.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't do away with, you know, spontaneous whatever, but at least you have a schedule. You know, at least you know, and you're thinking, and you're planning, and, it, it, and you know, it could be fun. It's like a date, you know. I mean, it's like, put it on the schedule. Don't, don't be afraid to talk about it. You're a you're man and wife. You're, you're grown up. You're mature. You're adults. You can talk about these things. Moving right along. Moving right along. <laughs> Carla, what if we disagree on spending money? What if we disagree on tithing and giving? What if we disagree in these areas and um, how to, any advice to, to fix that because it's causing stress?
1: You know really the answer to all of these things is if you're two spirit-filled christians born again spirit-filled christians you should be able to pray and find an agreement on all of these things it shouldn't be that hard when it comes to tithing and giving and how to spend your money get a budget and if you both work we've had this happen a lot where say the the wife says i want to tithe and the husband says no i don't and if you work then tithe off of your income it's your income you worked for it Say, okay, here's the, here's the compromise. We'll tithe off. Of, I'm tithing off of my income, and if you're not going to tithe off of your income, that's between you and God. But there's always a compromise. There's always a way to work it out. And really, if you just pray, and if you're both praying, God's going to tell you the that's same right. thing, which really when it comes to tithing and giving offerings, it's, it's already in the Word, so you <laughs> shouldn't even have to pray about that one. But that, that does come up a lot. So... Um, tithe off of your income if, if he or she won't.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of people got saved after they got married. Because some of these things, you know, you would probably talk about before you're married, if you're born again Christians before you're married. We we encourage couples all the time to talk about, um, you know, don't, don't just be saved and say, oh, we're equally yoked. There's other areas that could pull on your marriage later. Just because you're infatuated with each other right now doesn't mean you're You never have any disagreements later and really beliefs start coming up the longer you're married and the infatuation starts going down the longer you're married. So you better talk about beliefs. In premarital counseling we do a lot of that and um, that's one of the things we we talk about. say, listen, if you're going to get married, great, you're both Christians, wonderful. But there's other areas you need to be aware of when it comes to yoking yourselves together for the rest of your lives. Do you believe in tithing? And do you not believe in tithing? Because if you're a Christian you're gonna get stronger in your beliefs hopefully they don't pull you down in the lukewarmness or whatever um, do you do you ask them before they get married do you believe in t-? and try to get the infatuation out of them, you know that's why we tell people none of this smooching and all this stuff before you you don't get all these emotions tied up before you know it's the right person I mean it's like right. then you got to untie all this stuff you got broken hearts and all this other stuff soon as possible talk about these issues if you think this is going anywhere at all yeah. other issues are what do you think about R-rated movies what do you think about R-rated movies? I think they're fine. They're great. I don't want to see any of that stuff. You better talk about that stuff now. That's right. What do you think about going to church on a regular basis? Well, I think it's ridiculous. Who needs a church? Well, I want to go to church. I believe like God's called us to a church. Don't wait till you say, I do, to start talking about those things. Talk about them now. So when you say, I do, there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. There's still be things you got to work out, but I mean, you know, there's things you can avoid by just talking about those things before you say, I do. And I I think that's kind of close to the question. But, um, you know, we taught, I remember we sat here, I think it was in this church building on the stage on a Valentine's Day weekend or something. And we just answered a lot of questions. And one of the things that we really tapped into was, if a husband and a wife would just hear the sayings of Jesus and do them. Amen. They would never be in a divorce court. The flesh would never ignite bombs in their relationship. The enemy would never have access. Because you know if, if you keep indulging in the flesh in a certain area you can begin to attract evil spirits to start enforcing those things. Now it's beyond the work of the flesh. Now it's a mixture or whatever. And you definitely don't want that in your marriage. You know it's like we, we encourage people to really just practice four verses. If the husband will practice them and the wife will practice them, you will make it through everything the flesh or the devil tries to throw your way. And that's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. I know it's kind of funny, but um, sometimes instead of saying, honey, I love you, it's like, yeah, I've heard that before. And they, but I did this and did that and blah blah. Didn't do my dishes and no. no, no. Anyway, it's like maybe we should say, "Honey, I First Corinthians thirteen four through eight you." Mm-hmm. That right. may not sound as romantic, but it means a lot more a lot of times. Right. I First Corinthians thirteen four through eight you, honey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's the characteristics of the God kind of love in four verses, four through eight, and sometimes that's really what we need to do and say. Let's ask one more question here. Then if you have anything you want to ask, you can. I hope we didn't surprise you too much. Some of you look shocked. Like, Where's a good Bible teaching? This is good. I'm telling you, this, this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. What is the one thing you can share with other parents that contributed most to how your kids turned out? I, I believe that would be implying that they know our kids, and they've seen our kids, and they're not perfect kids. And, you know, they've, they've had their problems and, um, and situations, and they're growing just like everybody else. But we are very thankful that all our kids are in church. We're very thankful that our grandkids are in church. We're very thankful that they work in the church. We're very thankful that they love the church. Even Judah works here. He's eight months old. Nine months old. Nine. You know what his job description is? Just come to the office and look cute. <laughs> And we pay him well. (laughs) All kinds of hugs and kisses. And I mean, he was just here today. It's like he brings us joy into the offices. And I'm like, man, you're hired, dude. (laughs) Um, But we're very thankful for that. And I'm not saying that to say, you know, if you don't have kids like that, you did something wrong. Listen, God's got problems with all kinds of his kids and he didn't do nothing wrong. Don't don't come in the condemnation of the devil. God's got a zillion, uh, uh, thousands of kids. That are rebelling and not loving Him and doing their own thing and yielding to the flesh and being rebellious, not being where they should be. And that's not a reflection on the fatherhood of God. He's an amazing father. And you may be amazing dads and moms and have some kids that are haywire. Don't be in condemnation about that. But if we could say a couple things, I mean, they said one thing. What would you say, Carlos? The number one, re- what, number one thing we did... That helped our kids to be. It's probably a really
1: out. a good question to make Isaac come up and answer, but um, Isaac, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I think? Um, we get asked this probably more than anything else: is how did you, how, why are your kids still in church as adults, and how how did that happen? You know, it wasn't like we really tried, did anything really hard and had to put a lot of thought into it. We just loved God, we loved church, and I don't remember our kids ever saying, "I don't want to go to church with you." Or I want to stay home it's like we just put God first we had devotions every morning before they would go to school um, we prayed as a family we had a lot of fun as a family and I I don't really know exactly other than if you want your kids to put God first you put God first That's right. you know if people say I did it I had a connection group one time and I, for four weeks, I did a teaching on how to raise anointed godly kids. And I think I had one parent and one grandparent show up for four weeks. And it really grieved me because there's a lot of young parents in this church who need that teaching. And so maybe I'll do it again and have some more of you show up. But um, basically, it's like, well, you be anointed, and you live a godly life, and you, your kids will do it. And I don't know. It seems like it should be a real complicated answer, but it's like you put God first, and your kids will put God first. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's I've joked with the church about that. You know, like if I was to ever write a book, how to raise godly, anointed kids, it would only be one page long. You be on fire for God. You be on fire for God, and your kids will want what you got because this world and the devil and the flesh has nothing as great as what God has for a family and a marriage. I think in, in line with that, one of the things we endeavored to show our kids because we've been in full, we were in full-time ministry ever since we, I mean, now Isaac, was Isaac
1: was probably five, five six, and, seven, seven.
0: And, and Rachel was born six. into the ministry. Yeah. I wasn't full-time pastor, but I was a praise and worship leader at the right. time. And um, one thing that we really, really made sure is that, and this is not the only thing, because of course devotions and all that's involved. One thing we really made sure is we were going to show our kids that serving God, being pastor's kids, being in the full-time ministry is fun. So we took a lot of trips to Disneyland. We got, got them out of school at times. We went to the mall and bought each other a present. We made sure that they realize okay yeah, we're committing to this church sometimes dad's called out on a suicide call and we're watching a movie and this we made it very sure we balanced all that out with it's fun you'll love it we're never gonna lack we're gonna eat good food we're gonna help other people we're gonna go to Disneyland we're gonna go to Knott's Berry Farm we're gonna go to Denver and Waterworld we're gonna do all this stuff we we made sure that they knew serving God is fun
1: um, and I know I don't know how long we have let me say another thing we did was when our kids were teenagers we did send them on missions trips Mm. I think it's very important for your kids um, especially now kids have such a entitlement mentality a lot of adults do too and I think that you need to send your kids on missions trips so they can go into another country and see how good they have it here and just go and help build houses I remember Isaac got home one time from a, a in Mexico and he was telling us how they had to move the beds away from the walls because of the big spiders or tarantulas no mom wants to hear that you know you're thinking oh you know but that's why we pray and plead the blood of Jesus over our kids you know and and I remember Rachel got home from Costa Rica one time was it Costa Rica Mm -hmm. and she said she was telling us some of the foods they would eat and for breakfast they'd give them these brown Like um, over, over ripe bananas and stuff, and they had to eat them because that's all they had. It's good for them. You know, it was good for them. I'm not going to go eat it, but no, I'm kidding. But it's good for your kids. So if you have teenage kids, get them out there on the mission field, you know, and let them see how good they have it here. One more thing I want to say real quick about kids is in the last 33 years we've been doing this every time, I would probably say every time or at least 90% of the time, I have talked with an adult about issues in their life ninety percent of the time it was because of things that they dealt with as the way they were treated as a child and so parents we really need to be responsible to raise our kids up the right way so they don't have all these issues mm-hmm. as adults right. most of the, most adult issues come from childhood and as parents we can change that and I know if so you kids good. are a little older, it may take a little more anointing and stuff to do it. But God's grace Absolutely. is there for it. Absolutely. Good. good.
0: Yeah. Really good. By the way, Rachel was like 14 years old when she went to Costa Rica all by herself. Wow. With Teen Mania.
1: Right. You know,
0: Choir of the Fire, but still, we weren't with her. And, no. um,
1: How old were you, Isaac, on your first missions trip?
0: How about the Hollywood trip when we went to Hollywood? Twelve. 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 Yeah, we took Isaac to Hollywood, to Clayton Golliher's ministry. And we're talking about ministering to people under the bridge, people that needed bandages, people that were, you know, we call them runaways. But there they call them throwaways because parents don't want kids. They throw them into Hollywood. And Isaac was out there helping Clayton has
1: taken Isaac, 12 years old, out under the bridge to these people who are homeless. And they have like
0: scabs and
1: and stuff on them. And he's got Isaac over there tending to them. And I'm thinking, oh, I plead the plead blood. plead the blood of Jesus. Blood. Thank you, Lord. But that's when the blood becomes real to you, too. <laughs> that's right. I plead the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's something we got to consider doing again. I mean, he's still out there. They, he's with the ministry that bought the old Queen of Angels Hospital out there in the middle of L.A. And um, Tommy Barnett's son is out there. Matthew Barnett is out there. And... These are, these are really cool things to do for your kids. You definitely want to pray, you know, you don't want to just send them to a country that's war torn without the right. leading of the Spirit, but where he, where he leads, he protects too. And so we had no concerns about Rachel down there. It changed their life, you know. When I look at the kids in the church now that are still with the Lord, still want to go to church, them being a part of the youth group is one of the number one reasons they didn't drift and get pulled into all these other things. They're, they still love God today. They still have connections to the church. Some of them don't even live here, but they're still connected every time they're here. They're in town. They come to church and really important, really important. So we got a couple of minutes. Anybody want to give us a question? Anybody got any boldness to say, yeah, pastor, what about this? Speak, my man. YouTube. <laughs> <There>
1: you <go. laughs>
0: I, I'm, that's YouTube. Where, that's where YouTube Watch comes YouTube. in. How to wash dishes, how to do a laundry, how to fold clothes. Uh, good question, because there are some people, Tony, that um, they're just flat out not good at something. But they can learn. But you can either learn or hire somebody to do it, because you know. They, You know, I wish I'd say, oh, it's so fun to do laundry. Oh, it's so fun to mow the lawn. Oh, but some things you just got to do, you know, I mean, there's stuff actually in our house. I'm sure anybody that's been married, you know, half as long as we have, you find out that a lot of things you just learn as you go. Something needs to be done. You learn how to do it. I remember the first time we put in, we remodeled a a garage into a family room and we had high ceilings. Now we did all this work. I'm sitting there doing all this stuff. There was no YouTube or internet like we have now. And so I'm thinking, I'm putting all these outlets in, you know. And the inspector comes over and looks at it and says, well, you're not quite high enough with that outlet. And there's not enough wire there to, you know, it needs to be at least this, be able to pull it this far out. And so I had to redo all this stuff, but you just learn. I mean, you just learn. And, and I guess that's, that's where compromise comes into because just like a guy could learn to do what quote unquote is a woman's job, a woman at times. I, i'm I'm telling you I' am in bed at times uh well actually every day I'm still in bed she's already up <laughs> but I'm in bed sometimes I hear this <laughs> 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 she's out shoveling snow yeah I, I I thought that was you know a man's job you know, but she's out. <laughs> shoveling all this snow, and I'm like, praise the Lord, I have a virtuous woman, I have a wonderful wife! Glory to God! You know what that makes her do? It makes me want to do dishes, do her laundry, do our laundry. I actually
1: enjoy, I really (laughs) enjoy shoveling snow. I don't, it's relaxing to me, and plus your neighbors are out doing the same thing, so you get to talk to your neighbors.
0: That's true. I'm glad you enjoy it. I I think I even bought her a new shovel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Any questions?
0: Anybody? While you're thinking about that Ruth Graham, you know who Ruth Bell Graham is? Billy Graham's wife? She said a happy marriage is simply this. It's the union of two really good forgivers. And I mean she said that out of many decades of wisdom and it's just so true. Communication, you know, I, I, how many of you realize there's times you need to communicate and then there's times you don't need to communicate. I mean, there's times Jesus goes, and just go pray, sleep, wake up, feel better. But there's other times you just need to communicate, almost like even the intimacy thing. And even just setting a time aside once a week, say, so we're going to sit on the porch and we're going to talk about anything. You can ask me anything. I'll ask you anything. There's good talk. About dreams and vision or whatever, without without interrupting. (laughs) Now we find out how mature we really are. But um, we've had conversations at times where, I mean, she was just wrong in what she was saying. (laughs) I mean, just just wrong. I mean, did not have the facts. I mean, just wrong. (laughs) And it's the hardest thing to just want to say stop. Let's correct that first and you can talk on, but sometimes you just right. gotta sit there and let right. them talk. If it's right, if it's wrong, just they need to have freedom to just talk. And then the person talking needs to have enough, you know, awareness to know that I, I probably shouldn't talk for five minutes right now, but save some of it for the next breath. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab.